come with us now, if you dare, down a rickety staircase into a dank, dark basement. What awaits the Saturday Night Freak Show? <laughs> Welcome back, freaks, to the Saturday Night Freak Show. I'm your host down here in the basement. I'm Colin, and I'm surrounded by... Brett. And Travis. And Tom. And we are the Saturday Night Freak Show. What is the Saturday Night Freak what Show? What is the though? Saturday Night Freak Show? Well, I'm glad you asked that question, Travis. The Saturday Night Freak Show is a group of us. We get together every Saturday night. We have a delicious meal. Then we come down in the basement. We watch a movie that one of us has picked out for that week based on a coin toss from many, many weeks ago. And uh, then we uh, talk about it afterwards. Who's pick so, was tonight? Uh, ironically, tonight's pick was my pick. This is Colin. I picked uh, a movie from 1966 called Danger Diabolic. And for those of you who don't know who Danger or who Diabolic is, he's based on a Italian comic strip character. He is a super criminal, a jewel thief in a distinctive black uh, costume with just the eyes visible and a maniacal laugh. And he robs from gangsters, the rich, governments, doesn't matter. All basically to uh, for the amusement of himself and his super hot girlfriend, Eva Kent. And she is smoking hot, folks. She is. She is very worth what he does. I can see why he would steal yeah. what he, you know. Yeah, yeah, we were just saying, like, after the movie was over, it's like every single scene that she's in, she's, like, in this new, like, super awesome uh, outfit. All of her outfits, like, they they show a lot of skin to begin with. There's not a lot of actual material there. Yeah. It's always, like, 50-50, <laughs> maybe, like, 25 material, 75 skin. Yeah, that first outfit she was in, uh, there's no bra. Yeah, and there was just like two pieces of uh, fabric that came down on you know either <laughs> side of her chest that met at her belt, and then I think like there was uh, you know like a skirt or something there. But man, it's she's played by I want to say it's an Italian actress named Marissa Mel, and I think we should start the Marissa Mel uh, appreciation. What else should be in? Well, she was in a bunch of uh, from what I gathered, she was in a bunch of movies, uh, but never signed a Hollywood contract. Uh, she turned down a couple of opportunities to come over here uh, because you know she figured she said you know There's I'd have to send my sign my entire life away and make it control when I could go to the toilet. They wear too many clothes in American films, <laughs> and maybe that yeah. too. It's too restrictive. But uh, I did see. Uh, and I actually have this, gentlemen, just in case you want to see it. I do want to borrow this right now. After seeing this movie, I'm like, I have to know, who is this woman? i got to track this down. And, I mean, she's a goddess in this thing. Uh, she was in a movie that Lucio Fulci, uh, another Italian uh, horror director that I'm a big fan of, he made a movie called One on Top of the Other. Whoa. Which is... <laughs> Hey, like Very interested in this. It's a, it's, a, it's a giallo movie that she's in where she plays a dual role, and uh, in America it was called Perversion Story. Hmm. <laughs> I'm interested. Okay, so okay, you said another horror director, Lucio Fulci, which leads me to the idea that Danger Diabolic was directed by a different uh, horror director. That's amazing that you would bring that up, Travis, because it turns out that... Uh, Danger Diabolic was directed by a guy named Mario Bava. Oh my god, Mario Bava. You mean the master of horror? I do. Actually, uh, it turns out uh, Mario Bava is credited with directing the first uh, Italian science fiction movie, the first Italian giallo film. Those are the movies that uh, 
Dario Argento became famous for doing this kind of... Uh, Remembering back to a certain instance. Yeah, 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 with the black-gloved killer doing stuff. Yeah. Uh, he did one called The Girl Who Knew Too Much, I think, and that's credited as being the first. He did the first, uh, he did the first Hercules movie, so he ushered in the sword and sandal genre, and he directed Italy's first horror movie, which was Black Sunday. Whoa. Oh, he did Black Sunday. Wow. Yeah, he also did Black Sabbath. This guy's really? got a list. Yeah. Kill he Baby did Kill. Planet of the Vampires, which I think Tom and I watched. Oh, <laughs> oh terrible. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so what about this movie? Like, uh, I mean, you guys are talking about what she wore. That's, like, one thing about this movie. It's, like, even if an Italian movie has, like, horrible pacing or horrible acting, the one thing they have is design. Mm -hmm. They have design and coloring. You know, mm -hmm. they have that down. Yeah, I think this movie really knocked that out of the park. I mean... Yeah, just see that girl with the, like, plastic triangle shirt? Yeah. It was, like, okay. 50, like, it was just, like, 100 little plastic triangles connected... <laughs> like yeah. to each and other. Then when she turns around, she's like leaning over the bar at one point, and there's like no back on it. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, like this is the best dress ever. It's like, it's a, like a jacket vest. worn backwards <laughs> that's made up of a bunch of plastic triangles. <laughs> yeah, like two inch plastic and triangles. And she was wearing like these skin tight, uh, like sparkly pants. I don't know, we we're talking about the fashion in this movie, but I mean, like the women are like super hot. And just <laughs> yeah. like the way that they shoot them is like. Ah, oh, you know, and it's like PG, it's like PG thirteen. But then again, that goes under. I mean, how these, what became popular through these movies is always the whole like femme fatale, you know, the dangerous, sexy, you know, very, very Bond-ish, you know, that's <laughs> James Bond, not Bondage. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 that's what this movie pretty much. I mean, this movie pretty much, at all intents and purposes, a Bond film. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. way. He's, he's, he's got Yeah, he's. But he's the supervillain, but he's also the Bond. I mean, he's got all the gadgets, you know. He's playing both roles he's for the audience. He's got the lair. He's got the Bond lair, the big cave underground. Yeah, yeah. but that's a supervillain. The supervillains have the cave. Like, Bond just goes to an office. Uh, <laughs> what do I do? And Largo is essentially playing the same role as he was playing in Thunderball. Yeah, yeah, the bad guy from Thunderball. I can't remember the actor's name. He plays, what is it, Velmont in this? Is yeah. Oh, yeah. well, he was yeah. the guy that was originally wanting to uh, steal the... Uh... Yeah, he's the guy who drops, he's like uh, He's like the head of a crime syndicate. He, he brings all of the uh, other like crime dudes together in his uh, jet, or his little Lear jet. He's got them all around, and they take minutes, which I thought was great, about this is our, you know, this concludes our crime meeting. And they've got like, a little <laughs> recorder going, and it's like, uh, he says, you know, five of you agreed to my plan and three of you did not. Then he shoots two of them. <laughs> the other guy's like, no, no, I changed my vote. He's like, I will not kill you. Hits a button and the bottom of the plane opens up, drops the guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> trap door. Classic. Classic <laughs> trap didn't door. But like, didn't he do that in... Uh, he had sharks, I think, in Thunderball. <laughs> <laughs> he threw the guy into the shark pit or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, this is just yeah. one of those movies. It's like they just don't make spy movies like this anymore. The impossible, you know, inventions, the fact that everybody has everything they need with them at the moment they need it. Yeah. You know, just like when it's like, we've got this impossible plan to stop Diabolic. There's no way he can get to the thing here. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's like swimming. It's like, well, how did he know he was going to have to swim to get here? How did he like have yeah. all this shit planned? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
You know, fucking geniuses. I especially like <laughs> the, uh, oh, what was it? The laughing gas. The, uh, uh, exhilarating the, gas. The exhilarating gas. Yeah. That was good. So he goes to a, uh, in disguise as a photographer, a reporter, he and Eva show up at a, a press conference given by, like, the Prime Minister, Minister of the Interior, or whatever, and the flash bulbs on the camera emit, like, this gas to everybody in the, in the, uh, the, the room starts laughing hysterically, but not diabolic in Eva, because they took the anti-exhilarating gas. <laughs> they were not exhilarated. It's like the Batman TV show or something. I mean, that's well, what that was, was, to me, well, I mean, they said that one of his, I liked it because they did explain it in one sentence, almost like right before they did it. They said diabolic, he steals, and then makes light of, you know, he likes to make fun of public officials. So that was kind of his stunt to, while they're doing the uh, the broadcast about the millions he stole, to make everybody crack up, you know, on public TV, you know, because that's how he also, because they, they even talked briefly about a uh, public, like, there's a public consciousness about Diabolic. They didn't necessarily say it was positive, mm-hmm. but they just said that they don't want it to be too uh, negative, or they don't want to do something too negative to give him positive press. So it's like, they didn't really explain what the people thought of Diabolic. Right, yeah. They just kind of mentioned we don't want to accidentally make people think better of him but so there's still a question to if people see diabolic as a hero stealing from a corrupt government i mean he doesn't give anything to anybody he keeps it for himself and his hot girlfriend (laughs) so he's not really helping he did destroy the tax record at the end but like i don't know if that was like a uh that was kind of a half and half like thing because he's like oh i'll save the people a million dollars by by destroying this instead of giving it to whoever's going to capture me. I yeah. mean, so that was kind of in the idea of the downside being helping. Like, there goes infrastructure and all that. But I thought that <laughs> might be reading into it too much. Yeah. <laughs> it's like now you won't have garbage pickup, but you get to keep your money. I thought that was so. funny. That was so funny. Having he's like, so if anybody would just come in and pay what they think they owe, you know, that was really funny. That's yeah. that was classic. Well, you see in this film, you see like how it has influenced filmmakers coming up through the years. Specifically, the scene where Diabolic's going to steal the jewels, the necklace. He's scaling this wall up to this window, which is way up on like this like castle-like estate, for lack of a better word. And uh, he's it's the totally like if you've seen Mission Impossible. Four is it? Yeah, Ghost, Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol. It's totally the scene where he's out the window, climbing up, the scaling the hotel with the gloves on. Cause they even, I mean, like Mission Impossible. To- I don't. Know, I mean, it's an. They paid homage to it, or they ripped it off, whatever, whichever way you want to look at it. But like, there's even a scene where like Diabolic starts to slip a little bit, <laughs> and then yeah, you know, he's using suction cups. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. instead of the gloves, he's got these suction cups. That he has to just, you know, suction cup his way up up to the actual... That, that thing had to be, like, you know, used in, like, uh, comics or something? Or was that just, like, a jewel thief tool of the trade? The suction cup for climbing so up? Like yeah. that. I remember in Superman the movie, there's yeah. the guy with the suction cups. There's Yeah, there was just a point in time where people like to scale buildings with suction cup handles. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened to that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they still do, apparently, yeah. according to Mission Impossible. They just get the high-tech version. Now, your glove is the suction cup. 
Right, it's just, <laughs> it's been modernized. But, I mean, even when he gets into the actual room, there's another scene where he, he discovers that they have a hidden camera that's on the necklace, <laughs> yeah. and they're watching it. So his answer to that problem is he takes a picture basically from the same perspective of the camera. It's a Polaroid picture, so he takes a picture of the necklace in the room, and then he holds it up to the camera, yeah. and so the guy is watching the security footage. It oh yeah, looks like nothing. I've seen that done so many, yeah. times. so many times. Yeah, and now it's like they, you, nowadays they just they they tape they you know they take a few minutes of recording of the room and then yeah. like have and somebody they, uh, hack into their right, yeah. their playback system and play yeah. back the old footage while they go in. I mean, it's a brilliant. Uh, well, so you figure in 1968 that was probably like you know high tech. You know, like everything right, they were doing yeah. in that movie was like, ooh, look at this kind of futuristic. You know. Because he had like you know whatever the the laser gun you know whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah he, he says my laser my laser gun can melt anything like that's a badass gun yeah I mean, what, what, what's kind of like I mean we're watching like going through watching like the Bond movies in order and um and like we watch like a lot of the behind the scenes of the Bond movies and like when they make those sets you know they're actually making the sets. Yeah, and these giant, fucking, huge scale... And anything that they have, like a car, if it's a laser gun... It's a laser gun. It's a car <laughs> that shoots missiles. It's not like a CG... And and, and this movie's kind of like a, a lower-budget movie of, like, a Bond movie, because it's like, you know, they're using CG effects, they're using, like, matte paintings for a lot of the stuff, and... Yeah, he was a big fan of, like, the hanging miniature, uh, you know, which is when they put, like, a... They put a miniature up close to the camera, and then they do, through forced perspective, you know, you shoot past it. It looks like whatever's in the background is actually closer than it should be, or the thing in the foreground is, you know, further away. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's actually where uh, a lot of, like, Bava's fame comes from. I mean, aside from a director, he's a visual... Uh, trickster you know he can do oh, yeah, all the these planet things. of the vampires was very yeah it was another like, one like we don't have any money just, but <laughs> yeah that's like seriously like well he does stuff like that even in like the hercules movies that i've seen where like you know he implies the underworld by basically like having three columns and you know a couple of gelled you know like a green light and a purple light you know and yeah. Well, even the use of the matte paintings. I, I really miss that. I think that was a nice... I, 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 always <laughs> I miss liked, matte paintings. I like that about movies, you know. Even <laughs> when you you can tell it's clear, clearly fake, but it's just like there's something romantic about this, you know. Big castle off in the distance, you know. That's <laughs> there's sometimes where you're... I mean, like, I remember the first time I heard that this... This elevator going down a building in Robocop was all matte painting. I was like, oh my god. I mean, yeah, I was, yeah. the problem yeah. is the Italians use bad matte painting. Well, it's, well it's, it's, it's at, at the, the time. It's, it's the time. Yeah, it's yeah. the budget level. I mean, and yeah. focus. We have this clear focus where even on their best days back in the yeah. 70s, you know, yeah. that would have looked awesome. They didn't know what the camera <laughs> yeah. was seeing half the, you know, I mean, that kind of thing. So. So, you know, now you go, oh, well, hell, I just saw Jurassic Park in theaters. So I was like, oh, my God, it's all blurry. Who, who, you know, whose job was it to focus that movie? You know, because yeah. they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> It was all based on math. Right, yeah. But what I like about the coloring back, it's almost funny because it's, uh, 
It's like it's it's like color wasn't like a new thing in the late 60s, but some movies actually getting to afford color was still kind of new. So it's funny to see how they use color when uh they were when he first made the uh when he first robbed the 10 million dollars and he had that smoke screen. You know, the smoke had to be purple, green, yeah. yellow. You know, it had to be like yeah, super yeah. It colorful. It was a white colored smoke. But then also you get into his layer and it's like, okay, so so the lighting of the background of a cave should be green, right? So that best represents what a cave looks like, and the far back is green. Yeah, green. And then everything up front's like, more orange and more, you know, and it's just like, man, it's like, yeah, nowadays, I don't know if you could pull that off nowadays and have know. it, like, make sense. Well, everything's all black and white. Like, he's got, like, he's got, he's got a bunch of jaguars, and he's either got a black jaguar or a white jaguar. And his suits are either black suits or white suits. <laughs> like, yeah. everything's black. Even if, like, the bed is white. Yeah. But it's like, you know, everything's right. black or white. Yeah, but, I mean, as far as, like, the color, like, did you get the sense that there was, like, a color pop? I mean, like, you know, for, for the character, obviously, black and white. But, like, I mean, like, the lighting and all that stuff. I think, I don't know if that's, uh, like, an Italian thing, because it seems like, you know, I mean, well, I look at some of the Dario Argento stuff. I mean, Argento is, like, a later generation, like, the next generation after Bava, right? But I want to say that Bava, I mean, you look at his, you look at Planet of the Vampires, you look at Hercules uh, in the, what, Hercules in the Underworld or something like that. Um, Planet of the Vampires had, like, I think, like, a lot of those... I'd have to see when Planet of the Vampires was made, but I swear some of those, like, costumes, like, especially, like, that lead line suit looked exactly like the space suit from Planet of the Vampires. In this? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Planet of the Vampire, we should point out, it's a it's a low-budget movie uh, that has been credited in some circles as maybe giving Dan O'Bannon, the writer of Alien, some ideas. Because it's about a a crew of a spaceship that gets a distress call. They set down on a planet and then they start dying one by one and have picked up a passenger, you know. And it turns out to be like uh, some kind of invisible force. But it's kind of terrible. Actually. Yeah, it's not really a good movie. But <laughs> it was a uh, terrible movie. <laughs> but I mean, you've seen some of Baba's other stuff. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of Black Sunday, but that's black and white. But I mean, that looks like a old like Universal horror movie, but right, it was done yeah. in the '60s. So it's 30 years after the fact, you know. And then uh, Black Sabbath, which is his, like, three-part horror movie, which is one of the greatest horror movies. I yeah, think. Well, definitely one of the greatest. <laughs> but it has that look, that lighting look, you know, where everything's like, we're just going to, you know, this is going to be green, this is going to be purple, and here's red. And, you know, it's <laughs> like we're shooting movies in color. Yeah. Yeah, in color, you know. It's always... <laughs> it's, yeah, you definitely see it. I mean... Maybe one of the scenes you see it most in is when they're in like this uh, one of the nightclubs. That's just like basically oh the <laughs> oh the nightclub yeah. scene. The nightclub scene. But that was like I mean that was everything though. You can go to Dragnet episodes as long as there's hippies in a movie in the 60s, yeah. dude. Yeah, they were in some sort of multicolored room and they had their their shit painted up half yellow, half green, half. I remember on Dragnet it was a drug dealer called a. Uh, 
Oh my God! What was he called Blue Boy or something like that? He colored half his face blue, half gold, yeah, yeah. and like sold acid to little girls. All the LSD <laughs> in the sixties. <laughs> yeah. oh, don't, don't I, I just I always get this sense that like they're just on a soundstage. They drop like a screen, put some trippy design yeah. on it, and they hang some you know like crazy. That's what they did. Well, well the reason they did that is yeah, because well, <laughs> yeah, well in real life a lot of times that it'd be squatter houses that they did that in. Oh really? So, so yeah, so they never really just partied in. The, they'd go break into a uh, empty house, yeah, put on some strobe lights, whatever the hell, and just trip out, drug out for a few days, you know. So yeah, it was kind of it kind of was like that. <laughs> <laughs> Although you yeah. kind of get the feeling from watching the movie that like no one involved in making the movie has like ever done a drug before. <laughs> there was that scene where they're, they're like passing a joint around. There's one shot, like a tracking shot. Where it's just going over, like, you know, the joints being passed to these people in successive close-up. That goes on for, like, forever. <laughs> like, to, yeah, to the point where you think they're, like, trying to, like, impress you with the one take. Yeah. As like, they go they well, I don't that? know, man. I think the dancing dude probably was on <laughs> Probably was on something. Uh, and for it real, actually, yeah. it kind of reminded me of uh, those, like, the, you know, the transition moments in the Austin Powers movies. Yeah. yeah, you know, exactly yeah, like yeah. With yeah. the zoom like, and the people dancing. You're just like, what is going on? Because, like, I, there's some plot device going on. They're transferring drugs, but, like, it's just, like, their party. And, like, it has, like, the weirdest shot of, like, they're, they're, shoot, they're shooting a scene, and this guy just comes dancing in the foreground <laughs> right off screen. You're just like, he just comes dancing through the shot. You're like... Was, was that supposed to happen? Yeah, was he part of the scene? But then he was on drugs. He dances back in, and you realize that yeah, it's it's Italian pacing. Pacing <laughs> guy dances. Italian pacing. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. Well. So was that supposed to be a joint? Because it was like. I think so. It was like ten inches long. I don't they think smoking a long smoking cigarette would be that impressive. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, passing a cigarette. Look at all those down. guys smoking that camel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That scene really stuck out to me as a very, I guess, awesome. Ita- Italian. And yeah, when I talk about in the influencing other filmmakers, clearly Mike Meyer saw this movie at some point. Maybe. Maybe. He had Maybe. to have. He had I to. know there was a movie I saw, a Roman Coppola movie. It was called CQ. And they were making some, like it's a movie about like these uh, beatniks in Paris and in the 60s and they're making a sci-fi movie that's kind of a cross between like Barbarella or Diabolic. Huh. I mean they, you know, it's behind the scenes and like the lead guy falls in love with the girl who's in the movie and stuff like that, but it it's like they're making this movie <laughs> kind of, yeah. you know. Yeah. So uh and this movie, I know I mentioned Barbarella only because um Barbarella is also this is a movie that was uh, based on another Italian comic book strip or comic strip that was supposedly like one of the first like adult comics because there was some eroticism in the in the comics so they the producer Dino De Laurentiis he like had a, a movie studio in Rome it was called Cinecity it was this huge big complex that he had that I want to say was maybe used by the fascists or something like that before that and then he bought it and then Charles Band ended up buying it from him mm. <laughs> ironically like later on but uh and so he made this big production of Barbarella Jane Fonda was Barbarella in it, and John Michael Law... I don't know, I just screwed up his name, but the lead actor from Diabolic is in Barbarella. And uh, it was a total 
flop. It cost a couple million dollars. I mean, if you, you can see it now, but it's kind of a curio piece. I mean, uh, Jane Fonda does a strip tease, like right, like a zero gravity strip tease, right in the very beginning of the movie during the credits, which is worth watching. <laughs> but other than that, it's kind of passable. Uh, so De Laurentiis goes to Mario Bava, who's used working, uh, you know, at these much lower budget levels. And he says, okay, you know, uh, I'll give you $3 million to make Diabolic. And so Bava takes the money, takes $3 million, he makes Di- Danger Diabolic for $400,000, gives the rest back. Holy shit, That's really? That's a famous story. And, yeah. Wow. Because no. <laughs> he's like, I don't know what to do with this. I'm used with making movies with, like, miniatures and stuff. I mean, maybe it shows, because, you know, we were saying the blue screen work, you know, where they're driving in the car. Instead of using rear projection, they use, like, blue screen. And it looks bad, yeah. you know, by modern standards. And even at, they use they use it at unnecessary times, like when he's on the phone in the phone booth. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was weird. It's like yeah. you could have just shot a dude in the phone booth, really. <laughs> yeah. Like, how like, hard is it to find a just, phone booth? Or just a guy in his office. I mean, if you can't get the outside <laughs> shot, don't get the outside <laughs> shot. <Right. laughs> or if you have to use the green screen, don't do a zoom in the <laughs> middle of it when the background's not going to zoom with the yeah, right, right, yeah. Match it up. Reduce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's like, some bad... Back back in the 70s, like, the or 60s, the green screen, even up to the 80s, like, it would always leave this thick, you know, line around the character that it had keyed out. Yeah. Or the background was keyed out, so that character, whatever color, you know, it was, it was like this halo around them. It yeah, was, yeah, yeah. And you can, t- I mean, it's just, even in Indiana Jones has it, you know, part two, Temple of Doom. <laughs> we won't go into that, but uh, yeah, Thankfully it's just not as bad as the shots in this. Well, I don't know. At some times, like when they're sledding in, in Temple of Doom. All right, when they're when they jump out of the plane and like they're on the raft going down, oh, yeah. going down the mountain. That background oh, yeah, is yeah. like pretty awful. Oh yeah, even when I think when the dude is what, when he's falling down the the cliff at the very end, it looks pretty cheesy. Of of this? Temple of Doom. Oh, Temple, of, Temple Doom. of Doom. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, hey, green screen was still at its, you know... Yeah. Yeah. Well, even <laughs> in Diabolic, there's a scene when they... they He jumps out of this airplane with Velmont. Oh, that scene's fucking awesome. <laughs> that scene is cool. <laughs> yeah, it is awesome. But it's awkward as hell, because <laughs> yeah. they're falling through the air, and they're clearly on wires or something. And arguing with each other. But Pull the fucking chute! Or whatever. There's like... At There's least no swearing to, to the start of it, there's, like, no sound effects. So they got, like, this cheesy background going, and they're just kind of, like, not really reacting <laughs> to the... Yeah, reacting very poorly to falling through space. It's just, it's... And then there's some shit, like, the shots of, like... The shots when it's, like, close up and the ground's coming up, because, like, it's, like, the ground... Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, the, the background of the ground is, like, changing. It's like, here's a cityscape! <laughs> Here's, like, countryside. Here's a desert. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and when they actually show, like, the view through the trap door, it's, it's all, they might as well have a globe underneath there. <laughs> like, you can, you can see continents, like, rolling past. Yeah. <laughs> like, how high up are these guys? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think I, you know, I mean, the, the badness of this movie, I think, I think it's just, it, it almost seems like it's a comedy, you know? Well, I, I still I think a lot of it is just a sign of the times. Like yeah. it was, you know, what passed in the '60s is a joke now, 
and that's yeah. th- that's how you see it. Yeah, which yeah. probably makes it difficult to you know for modern audiences to watch it. I mean, I know you know it was famously it was uh, used as the last episode of Mystery Science Theater. Which no, I have to I have to track yeah, that. That's gotta be like a I got to track that down. I love yeah. Mr. Science Theater. That's got to be And this movie it. actually isn't half bad, so yeah, I wouldn't really like watching that but watching again. But like I would love to see the Mr. Science Theater take, especially in the hippie scene. Oh my god. Like <laughs> well just I mean yeah. there's no what well, there's like no talking for the first 20 minutes. It's just kissing and and yeah. the, you know yeah. like There'd the be a cops lot, dealing with a lot the, you of know the tracks. <laughs> the money being stolen. It's really just like, oh, okay, is someone going to say something? Is somebody going to... Just I'm gonna a diabolical that. laugh. Just a <laughs> laugh. That was awesome. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have to... I'm going to have to check out that Mr. Science Theater. Yeah. I mean, that, I, just, I got to now. I just love it that whatever that was at first, like after the switcheroo with the cars, he takes off... He's like making out with his girl because they just got away with, you know, the money. So he's making out with this girl, and the car starts moving, and it's like they're driving off. It's like he's such a badass. He doesn't even have to look at the road. He just keeps making out with mm-hmm. his girlfriend as they drive off. And he actually, like, the steering wheel turns, and he gets, like, oh, you yeah, know, yeah. on track with the road. Let's talk about the low-rent uh, poor man's bond, like, chase scene, like, car tricks. You know, he's getting, he's trying to escape. Oh, yeah. He's he's evading the cops <laughs> yeah. at this point, the inspector, and he pulls out something out of the trunk. Like, Which you just have, I mean, you have that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like it, <laughs> I was thinking it was like some sort of like giant harpoon or something. I thought it was going to be like a surface to surface missile or something. but Yeah, it's fucking, I don't even know how it fits in the <laughs> car. It's huge. So he pulls it out of the trunk. He incidentally hurts his girlfriend pulling it out. Yeah, yeah, he... <laughs> I think he actually hurt her, because, like, I don't know how she got hurt. She, she like, like, oh, my arm! Ah! He nicked her arm, and then there's this whole subplot where she has to go <laughs> to the <laughs> doctor's office. But anyhow, I mean, that is part of the story. And she has to get topless and get a massage. I mean, that's the way Yeah, exactly. And even, uh, yeah, you want to talk about design and fashion. <laughs> even, like, the, the gowns, like the hospital gowns in this movie were fashionable. Because when she's at the hospital talking to the doctor, I, at first I thought, wow, she changed her outfit from what she was driving into yeah. the hospital. Yeah. But that's the actual <laughs> that's gown. It's got well, like, I mean, it is Italy. I guess they're the known... Yeah, the, some people are... The fashion uh, mecca of the world. There's that uh, that movie, like, I, I actually talk about quite a lot just because uh, I, I, like, learned so much from watching it, but that the Exporting Raymond, uh, when the creator of Everyone Loves Raymond's, it's about him going over to Russia and trying to, uh, to uh, make Raymond for a Russian audience... Yeah, their costume designer, and, you know, he's trying to explain to them that this is like a mid-class, normal family, and the costume designer of the show is like trying to only put in like the top, high-end clothing, and he, and he just can't understand. It's like, what don't you get about middle class? He's like, well, no one wants to watch TV with a bunch of poorly dressed slut. You know, people want to see high fashion and shit like So, yeah, you never know who... Who the audience is, you know, it's like, yeah, sometimes it's like, oh, realism, I want my movies to be realistic, right. then at other times, it's like, yeah, you know, maybe people aren't, aren't entertained by just seeing people dressed, like, to the top nines all the time, and like, whatever. Yeah, just want a little bit of fantasy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The dream. I'm it's also like, impressed by how this movie, I mean, like, afterwards, 
Afterwards, we got done, and he was showing, like, there's a Fox Kids cartoon. Which I can't verify that was ever seen in the United um, States, though. There's a, there's a video game. For PlayStation 2, the PSP. Diabolic Original Sin. Yeah. And some Which myth- was made in 2009, so it's fairly modern. Was that for an American audience, though? I can't confirm or deny it. <laughs> we'll have to do some more research. And then there was the trailer, which you can look up on YouTube, or we'll have to post on our uh, Facebook page, uh, that came out in November of 2012, and it looks like somebody somewhere is making like a live-action series uh, based on Diabolic. A now, modern, it looks like, yeah. yeah, I mean, it looks like, you know, the, I don't know, Batman Begins of Diabolic. I mean, it's all super yeah, it modern. cool. I mean, I guess we should talk about... Did we talk about like where it came from, the comic strip? Yeah, you mentioned it. It Italian. was created by an Italian woman. I, I know it was made by a... He was created by a woman. It w- it ran for years. Was it drawn by her? I don't think so. I think the guy... I think what I read, the guy who drew it like back in the 60s has drawn it ever since. Mm. If that can be confirmed or denied. And that he originally started out, he was a villain. And then they kind of... They introduced Eva... And then Eva became like his, you know, the mall, and then like the lover, and then it kind of be the partners, you know, and then it kind of became he, you know, stole from the rich and you know, and didn't kill anybody, wouldn't kill the cops and stuff like that. But he's he never carries a gun. He's good with knives and all that. But I mean, apparently, you know, I mean, he's been in comics since like 1960 or 50s or something like that. So. That's what I was wondering if uh, even the video game was American because I mean I've been into comics now for like 20 years. I've never heard of Diabolic. You know, never. <laughs> it's like you never crossed over to the, you know. Well, I mean, I'm the, sure. I mean, if it's like, it's probably not American. I don't think it's probably European, but you know. Which the, the video, video game? Video probably, oh. yeah. yeah, I'm sure. We'll have to check. Well, the whole idea of diabolic, I think. I mean, that's something that you would just assume that Hollywood would eat up. You know, I mean, this. It's yeah, I'm surprised Americans, American audiences passed on it. They always have. I mean, I. I mean, it just does, does... Uh, well, I think this movie did okay. Like, not awesome, but I think it did okay when it came out. I mean, it is like... Is it too close to James Bond? Well, it's like the antithesis of James Bond, though, because it's the, you know... He's stealing from the good guys. He's the He is the bad guy. But you love him. He's the lovable bad guy, you know? There's I mean, a worse bad guy in the movie. There's a worse bad guy. <laughs> yeah, it's and like it's it's a, it's very whimsical. Yeah. You know, and the love story, I think, like... You know, I don't know if it's a love story, but, like, the, it was, it's, like, the greatest love story in the movie. It is, because it's, like... It's this, like, yeah, unspoken yeah. thing where he's just, like, passionate about her. He don't care. Yeah. He just wants to rob shit and kiss well, his girl. It's and like that, you really yeah. get the impression that everything he's doing is just to impress his girlfriend. Isn't that, but the thing amazing. is... Well, yeah. But the thing is, is like, on the flip side of that, she's, like, you know, totally in awe of him. You know? Yeah, <laughs> she's, yeah. like, oh, you're awesome. And you yeah. know, she just wants to be all up in there, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, all the time. But so. she helps. I mean, it, it's not like, uh, I mean, she she's a partner just as much as a girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. She's helping him case the joint. She's, she's got the car for escapes. She's yeah. got the disguises. I was just thinking, I don't yeah, think there'd I mean, be a Miss Tessmacher in Superman the movie if it wasn't for for uh, this character, you know, because it really sets up that idea that that any hot woman would be with the villain 
and help him just because she can get whatever perks, you know, whatever girls want or whatever the hell. Yeah. But uh, I think that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> I did see, and this is something you'll have to check for me, I thought, did Grant Morrison ever write for X-Men? Yeah. So I want to say he created a character called, like, Phantomus or something who looked like Diabolic but wore a white suit instead of a black one and had a AI or a computer named EVA as a sidekick. Really? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that came up on like when I was looking this huh. up on Wikipedia. Interesting. Boy, yeah, hold on. We, got, we have to that. stop for a second here because Brent was telling a story about this thing. The audiences who are listening to this, I'm sorry, listener, you're probably like on pins and needles going, when are we going to find out what was in the trunk of that car? Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. We get off on tangents, but we're <laughs> <laughs> trying to bring it back. Um, okay, so, well, yeah, basically, in order to evade the the inspector that's chasing Diabolic and Eva, Ava, um, they pull out this what looks like a land-to-air missile or a giant harpoon or something, but what it really is is it's basically like if you imagine a roll of tinfoil, a giant roll of tinfoil. <laughs> they, <laughs> they they just take it and they they pull it across the street to the <laughs> to the other side, and it's you know it has a reflection, so it's kind of like a mirrored. But it's it's almost like I mean it's it's not like a perfect <laughs> reflection, and so that's it's to confuse or block the cops, I guess. No, like not, the when they came around, their headlights were shining back at them. Yeah, they right. There was a car coming at them, so they tried to avoid the car. Yeah, you know, which is a good idea. Yeah, I actually think it's a brilliant idea. They only they just needed a few like uh, a few static shots of like an actual mirror yeah, image yeah, yeah. to yeah. relay it relay it yeah. to the audience. I'm not sure what they were doing in that special effect it was a little dodgy. The, yeah. uh, it got the idea. Yeah. The, the execution was some sort of, you know, they keyed in. It was like a blue screen or a green screen of, like, these two glowing orbs, which are supposed to be headlights, <laughs> but they don't match up. <clears throat> and it just, uh, yeah, it was it was cheesy <laughs> to me now. You know, I mean, I don't know about in the 60s what it was like. But also I noticed that they do that also, like, they use rearview mirrors a lot, where, like, they'll have... You know, this two-shot facing the two characters in the front seat of the car, and then they'll cut to like this, this rearview mirror shot of this basically the same shot through the rearview mirror, but it just doesn't match up. Oh, it's weird. It's yeah. like it's like this widescreen rearview mirror, you know, yeah. where you can mm. see everything. And yeah. it's, it's a little bit too perfect, but those are all just technical things. That the the premise behind them is still awesome. Like the premise, it's almost like. <laughs> well, I remember when that car went over the cliff after crashing through the tinfoil. You're like, that's a little thin. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. I really like that shot. I guess that takes you out of the movie or me. I really like that shot where it started with uh, Eva's eyes and then it pulled back, and that's when you saw it was the the rearview mirror. Then oh, it pulled yeah. back to behind the seat. I thought that was nice. Yeah. No. Yeah. I thought that was really neat. They're nice. It's like, yeah, if they were done today, I mean, that'd all be CG. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, the fact that he was pulling that stuff off. For yeah. sure. Bob was pulling that stuff <clears throat> off in the 60s. And uh, they, he does it a lot where, like, you're at a press <clears throat> conference, and the camera pulls back, and it pulls back through a TV. <clears throat> and, oh, yeah. And then, you know, they have the te- the little cutout window on the TV, so they key in the actual <clears throat> footage. And you can tell that it's fake, but it's still the idea of it is... Oh, yeah. I think really progressive. Well, then he had like uh, you know, as far as like miniatures, like foreground miniatures. There was uh, remi- 
see if he can remember these couple shots. The, one of them was when the Jaguar is coming to his secret lair at the beginning, and the hatch suddenly opens up in the the grass, like opens up, and there's the driveway to go down into the secret hatch. Like that's a foreground miniature, but that was just kind of cool. It's like it looks like the car drives down, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> into yeah. This thing, but yeah. that thing's only probably a couple inches away from the camera. Yeah, that's And uh, stuff is there was really another cool. one where they he had to go to uh, where he was getting on uh, Valmont's plane. Like the plane's in foreground, right? And it looks like okay, and you see him getting onto it, but that plane is like a painting, right? Like <laughs> an out of focus painting. Yeah, yeah. It's like you see his car in the background. He walks up and gets into like what looks like the body of the plane, but like the way that the angle is situated, it's like that. They didn't have a plane. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, and there's also there's that scene in the beginning with the colored smoke where it's... I think there's some real practical smoke in the in the scene, but also there's like a filter or something yeah. that they laid over the top of the... Of Which is weird. If he had $3 million to make the movie, then why did he just do it so cheaply? That's how he, he knew had, how, yeah, probably. Yeah, that's how he knew how. Because he, like, he, before he, he started how. being a director... He worked in the Italian film industry uh, as, like, you know, effects guy. And just, like, you know, he was a, what would you call it, like an apprentice, basically, on, like, a shit ton of other movies. So, I mean, before his first directorial credit, he's got, like, 20 movies to his credit that he worked on. And then his son, Lamberto Bava, I don't know if you noticed, he's in the credits as the assistant director. That kid had to be, like, I mean, what, 1968? I, I don't know how old he would have been. Because he became a director in the yeah. late seventies hmm. of Italian horror movies, so wow. Bava, I mean Bava, eventually went into like uh, you know Italian horror, uh, you know more of the slasher stuff. He's actually um, there's a movie called Twitch of the Death Nerve, which I think is also called Bay of Blood, which has a shot in it. It's about these people at like a summer resort that are being picked off by a killer one by a mass killer one by one, and there is a shot in there where Two people having sex are impaled through a uh, a bed, but with a spear. And it's like shot for shot, exactly like a similar kill in Friday the 13th Part 2. Wow. And that was like 10 years earlier. Huh. And then, uh, you know, eventually he got to doing movies like Shock, I think was one of uh, one of his last ones. I can't even remember. Like there's a Beyond the Door or something in there. And then he retired <coughs> at uh, 63 died at 65, and I think right before he died, he did some effects work on Dario Argento's uh, Inferno. That was basically the length of his career. But now it's like, you know, uh, I mean, I've heard tributes to him from uh, Tim Burton, you know, did Sleepy Hollow, and basically said, like, I wanted to do Sleepy Hollow, kind of in the tradition of, like, you know, Black Sunday was done in color, you know, and uh, Martin Scorsese apparently based uh, the devil character in The Last Temptation of Christ on... Bava's uh, The Little Girl Spectre in Kill Baby Kill, which is a great ghost story. If you haven't seen that one, you should check it out. Wow. But, uh, yeah, I mean, so he's got, like, I mean, just for his legacy, it's like he's one of those, like, titans of, you know, the the filmmaking craft who never really seemed to get his due because he worked, you know, the stuff that he worked in, the genres and just the, you know, they were low budget and, you know, is, these kind of movies. Is Bava... Did you show me a clip of him where he's on a like a saddle, 
and they're it's pretty close up, and you oh. see these trees going past, and that's, then the it's at the ending of uh, uh, Black, Black Sabbath. Sa- Black Sabbath. Explain that, because that's totally Bava. Now that <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. you know <laughs> that that's him. Well, at the end, of, this is only in the Italian version of the movie. The the uh, American distributors cut this out, but if you see Black Sabbath, this movie with Boris Karloff, and at the end of it, Boris Karloff basically gives the you know like come back next time, or like you know we'll stay scared or whatever, and he's riding a horse. And the camera then pulls back, and you see that the trees that are going by are like these guys running around. I mean, it just basically pulls back and shows you what's actually being done on the set. The trees are these guys running around, you know, with trees (laughs) in front of it. There's another guy, like, moving the horse, you know, which is not really a horse. It's like the horse's head and then, you know, like... uh, <laughs> just the back of it, right? And, like, Bob yeah. is calling the shots from the sidelines, and there's guys up on the lights. I think there's like smoke with a fan blowing on it, yeah. you know, to give the impression of movement. And yeah, and I think that's kind of unheard of, especially. I mean, that's totally breaking the, you know, the fourth wall or whatever, and saying like, "Look, okay, everything that you've just seen is, you know, right? Yeah, the movie. It's so good night. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you liked it. Here, yeah, show yeah. All, all of our tricks. Yeah. Awesome. Apparently the American distributor said no 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 no, no. <laughs> we can't like have, scare them and then let them go with this and they cut that out. Yeah, uh, the other thing I suppose we should talk about in this movie is the music. The m- oh, music. Oh man, <laughs> the music. Tom, we're looking in your direction for this. Some of the music I thought was really wow. good. Wow. So so the movie kind of takes a cue from Bond movies. It starts the mo- the movie starts off with credits with a spinning diamond and a theme song much like a Bond movie would but this theme song is quite possibly the worst theme song I've ever heard she, she just she just <laughs> says why the do same, you say that it's just does it go deep deep down <laughs> it's just deep deep down deep deep down deep deep down deep deep down for like three, four minutes. Tom, you have a lovely voice. <laughs> and so, I'm like, serious. I'm like, ah, oh, man, this is the worst theme song ever. And again, in tradition of Bond movies, they use that song pretty much every time you see Danger Dog. <laughs> 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 they just go, dee, dee, da, sometimes with vocals, sometimes just. You know, what I, you know what I think it is? Mm-hmm. I think it's his his cave song, his lair, because like the first time you hear it, they're like in this elevator in the car going deep, deep down, and then like any time they go back to his, you know, his hideout, it's always deep, deep down, <laughs> or different variations oh, on the so song. It's, uh, his hideout. So his hideout cave. is deep, deep hideout down. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 much like a Bond movie with the theme song and then throughout the movie putting in those theme song notes and pretty much every song is a variation of those notes well some of it uh, I mean it's uh, it's, the score was done by Ennio Morricone who like apparently scored every Italian movie ever made so I mean there's a lot of that kind of vocal singing that you know is famous for the uh, good the bad and the ugly theme yeah for sure you know but there was a lot of that in this movie that's like it's an Ennio Morricone you know thing like, he's the only person who does that, I think. <laughs> yeah. It's, but then, like Travis says, I mean, there's there's better music 
in yeah, the film. Yeah, better music in the film, for sure. I, I think maybe... I thought the ending song was awesome. Yeah. I thought, I thought the majority of the music was, was good. Awesome. Yeah. I don't know if I was keen on the... Yeah, that's a lot, too, yeah. There was another one that was like when they were on the train, it was like... Just like off key piano, just like going to town. Ears played. It's all magic. Movie magic. Yeah, should we wrap this up? Uh, maybe. I'm trying to think what else about. Uh, I know, like, you know, for those of you who are already or are soon to be part of the Marissa Mel Appreciation Club, she did appear in the Italian version of Playboy in the 1970s, if you can track that down. And then I want to say that she died in the early 80s of cancer. Uh, no. Yep. So, apparently, like, uh, in poverty, also. Do you know how we can... At a funeral attended by a few friends. Wow. Do you know how we can get that Italian playboy? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure the internet's... Oh, you got to see one on top of the other. That's the other. we got to bring back... uh, Or perversion story, as it is known on uh, on video here. Yeah. The Lucio Fulci movie. Yeah, I mean, she's got credits to her name. Most of them all Italian uh, films, so... You know, look some of those up. I think Danger Diabolic is her most famous role. Nobody knows who she is. <laughs> Until they listen to this podcast and they track her down, and then uh, they will also be admirers of... Well, yeah, Marissa I mean, Mel. if not if not as... Not in acting, at least as, you know, a model, because I, I don't think that there was anything... There was no imperfections. Yeah, on that she's just, I don't know, I don't know man. She she's like I still think the chick from Vampire Lovers has her beat though. In, in my <laughs> mind, uh, Madeline Smith or Ingrid Pitt. Madeline Smith. All right, Madeline Smith. Now, yeah, Tom, I might have to, to actually that. borrow that. Like Madeline <laughs> Smith from Vampire Lovers is. Yeah, but she okay. So Madeline Smith mind. is a pretty fine looking woman, and still is Madeline if you're out there. But. Uh, <laughs> The thing that impressed me about, you know, like the way, you know, in in this movie in particular, it's like the way that the camera, like, just shoots her, you know, it's like, it takes these moments to just kind of, like, glide over her, you know, and to, like, make sure that you're shooting her from, like, all these different angles that, you know, so she towers above you when she's wearing, uh... Daisy Dukes, yeah, yeah, short shorts. it's like you know the you know the photographer's eye looking at that is like you know this woman is beautiful and they figured out how to shoot her so she looks just stunning in like every single shot that she's yeah. in in this movie. Yeah, like even I mean there's the scene in the the rotating circle bed, the giant rotating circle where bed where sex on a bed full of ten million dollars. Exactly, oh, that's yeah. that's the very scene, and like they, they they have this overhead shot of her and. They had to have like pasted those bills to her behind because like it was like you know like strategically placed everything all of the all of the clothing on all the females in this movie had to have been like I don't know if they like tape it down but it was like everything was just draping strategically enough so that it's not giving away you know any of the private parts but rats yeah it's it's a giant tease. And right before the movie starts, they're like, "This is a PG-13 movie. <laughs> no, no boobies for you." You know, basically that's what they're saying. Maybe one. 
I don't even think we got one. They had to be no, white. No, we, 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 get, we, right? we, got, we got boobs. When? We, uh, when she, when uh, Madeline Mel was taking a shower, because what, what was weird is, like, they're taking uh, a shower, yeah. and, like, instead of using sensor things, they just, like, hang a giant, like, ball. It's the 60s, man. That was but cool. Frosted circle. It was yeah. a frosted <laughs> circle, but you, 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 there's times when she... Breaks the frosted circles. Oh, for sure. Yeah, uh, he's, yeah. He's, I saw probably like a frame of bush when she was about yeah. to dry off. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> you see about you see about like maybe about a half second. That's all I need though. You see, you, 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 I, like, I definitely saw boob. But that's why that's why I'm wondering if that's why I'm taking away such a like. Oh my god, she's uh, you know because you don't ever really get. Yeah. It, it seems maybe, like she's yeah. naked like the whole way through this movie. I mean, that's the impression I come away with. It's not true, no, but that's what it feels you're just like. Looking at every inch of skin that's showing, <laughs> yeah, and your imagination's yeah, far yeah, better yeah, than the actual so. thing. But wow, yeah. Well, do we want to do a wrap up? Sure. Do I start? I guess yeah, you start. I'm, I'm starting. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think that Danger Diabolic. It's not a perfect movie, not by a long shot, but I think that it is. It's a lot of fun. Um, it, what I'm finding. With actually a lot of Collins picks is they're just entertaining films, you know, like these films again that I would never watch on my own because I I've never even heard of Danger Diabolic, so I wouldn't even know how to start to look for it. What was your last pick, Colin? Well, I'm I'm thinking. Well, okay, we're not going to talk about Repo, but you know. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I was going back uh, to. I I was I was actually going back to the the beyond. I was thinking of the beyond. Yeah, yeah. All all these films. I blanked out. I blanked out. Repo. (laughs) Most of which are Italian, right? Yeah, actually, Django. Yeah, yeah. Django, the Beyond, and (laughs) yeah. Oh shit! (laughs) (laughs) There's there's an Italian theme. And I want to say we had lasagna tonight. It was delicious. Um, okay, so yeah, there, <laughs> there's, there's like, there's these films I'm never bored with, you know. I, I like, I like them. I think that uh, sometimes I'm taken out of them because like they'll cut to like a model, and it's a '60s model, and you can tell, you can tell it's a, it's a model, and it's, uh, but the story, the story just keeps me going. This one, the story never got too heavy, you know. It's basically. These two, this couple out having a good time, and I had a good time right along with them. And I was along for the ride, and I liked every minute of it. And I even liked the the super bad guy, the major crime boss Belmont, because he does these ridiculously funny things. Like he's all, he's a total male chauvinist. He's always treating these women like shit, but he's always got like a group of women around him. And there's a scene where he's in this pool, and he's got like this floaty tray of fruit, and he's like. He says something like, hey, pig, have a banana. <laughs> and he throws a banana at one of the, at one of the girls. And, that, I mean, you can't get away with that stuff these days. You couldn't. There's but no way. There's but. a dubbed over, uh, like, somebody off camera goes like, hey, you can't call me that. Or something oh, really? Like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, he's doing this throughout the movie, you know. He's like, hey, why don't you dry up? You know, like, talking to some girl with a martini in her hand. And I, I, I just, <laughs> I like the guy. He's got a trap door. He's got... You know, cool gadgets he's got. He's Largo. He's Largo. <laughs> I, uh, 
I don't know what that means because I'm not a fan of the Bond movies, but I understand most of you out there will know what Tom's talking about. Um, I would say, yeah, I like it. Um, watch it. Love it. You know, I mean, I liked it, but more for... I think the movie gave me a cool character to get behind. I don't think it did much more than that. I thought I thought the the story seemed kind of like it was like... Well, it seemed almost like three or four short stories. It didn't really seem like one big adventure. Which I'm sure, you know, if you're adapting a comic book, if it is adapted straight from her stories, who you know, I can see why they would do that. But I like how uh, the character of Diabolic, I like how you don't get a backstory. He's one of the... The cool, like, Italian anti-hero guys, you know, you really don't get anything from him, but somehow you, he's one of those people that makes me think, you know, whenever people say, oh, you need a, you need a relationship for, so people can relate to this character, everybody, all writers always talk about what makes you relate to a character, where movies like this show you they're all wrong, because this guy can just show up and do nothing but look cool, and you like him. You want him to succeed. You know he's kind of a bad guy. You know, whatever. It's like he doesn't necess- he's not necessarily even like a sweet guy to the girl. He's just like, I'll get that for you. You know, and, you know. But it, I guess, you know, I think intrigue gets you to like some characters more than you would. You know, as long as you get interested in, oh, my God, you know, who is this guy? What What does he do? What's, you know, it makes you want to find out more about the character. <laughs> It doesn't just spill it all out for you. But, I mean, I thought the design of the movie was awesome. I thought it was fun. I thought I, th- I think the idea that it is a world where, you know, most everything you always see is always like, oh, here's your Bond, here's your Batman, here's your... I like how this is one of those stories that takes the opposite view where it's like you're not living in a world with super good guys. You're only living in a world with a super bad guy who just happens to take down other super bad guys if uh you know if he needs to or if it you know interests him or you know I think uh it's a fun way of looking at the world and uh I like how it gives them two characters to play off of it gives you the cops and gives you other villains that way he can seem like a hero in some way, but, you know, it's only a hero as in the, the classic term of a, what a hero is and just doing, you know, major feats that anybody would sure to die from, not necessarily helping people, just just facing dangers. So, I mean, I'd say, yeah, it's definitely a fun movie to watch. It's definitely fun to watch with people. I definitely can't wait to see the Science Theater 3000 version just because uh, it's yeah. very rare that... Uh, something of a likable movie is in those uh, mystery science theater movies, so that'd be kind of fun. But I'm definitely excited about trying to look back into old Diabolic comics. That'd be fun to try to find. And hopefully that show comes out or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, look up the trailer for this show, because, like, it's everything, like modern day diabolic like all the awesomeness that could be in diabolic like realized like in a realistic you know portrayal it's fucking awesome yeah uh i I actually i really like this movie i i i went into it like kind of suspecting i would like it after colin kind of gave me kind of like a little bit of a synopsis i tend to like uh 
you know, movies about like thieves. I kind of envision kind of like a like a kind of thieving James Bond type movie, and I pretty much got that. You know, I mean, it it, it delivers pretty much maybe on a little bit lower budget than a Bond movie. I mean, you know, so it's nowhere near. It's like a Bond movie, but on a lower budget, and um, but it's still really good. It has a character that like seems really interesting and you can really relate to. Um, I'm kind of interested in maybe you know checking out either maybe like the video game on the PSP, see if I can track that down, or see if I can track down the the TV show because that would be something I would watch. And uh, I definitely want to see that Mystery Science Theater 3000 version. Can you can you relate to this character because you burgle a lot? I, yeah, I do burgle. <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I you know, um, burgling. Yeah, as everybody knows, me and my Hobbit days, <laughs> being a burglar. Uh, yeah, I I like it. I mean, I it, I would uh, I would recommend watching it. Probably, if you're gonna watch it, probably check out the Mystery Science. I haven't seen the Mystery Science Theater 3000, but you'd probably get even more out of it, given their sense of humor and what you kind of get, because it would yeah. be kind of like, I mean, as we as a group were watching this movie, we were kind of throwing out jokes and kind of ham fist, because it's kind of a fun movie. And we're kind of ham fisting it a little bit, kind of like we did with the Beyond, which made it a, a way more enjoyable experience um but unlike the beyond you know this movie's actually good whereas <laughs> the beyond was like uh, terrible yeah, but, you, you don't have to listen to him yourself, folks you don't have to listen you know but um no I mean the movie does have it's faults which means it probably deserves to be on Mr. Spider-Man 3000 you can see why it's there but uh no, it's 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 a fun movie actually. Check it out. Awesome. Well, <clears throat> I haven't seen the Mystery Science uh, Theater version of it. I'm kind of afraid of that version of it. I mean, I think you know what we had here tonight. You know, if you watch it with friends, you know, I mean, I think probably that's what we were doing. I'm just afraid that Mystery Science Theater would like make fun of the movie, you know. Which is like I think it, you know, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I I think it deserves more than that. I mean, we. We made fun of it, but still liked it. I get the impression that, you know, the Mystery Science Theater guys don't necessarily like the movies that they're watching, and so they rip them a new one in order, you know, to compensate for that. But there's liking in there, you know, because, like, to me, I like this movie, but I can watch it without sound. No problem. (laughs) It's like, it is a visual (laughs) movie, you know? It's like, watching it without sound will not destroy that movie whatsoever. Sure, yeah, I mean, there's very little dialogue in the film. There's very little dialogue, and it's mostly just police captain stuff, or whomever. Yeah, because Diabolic and Eva don't have a whole lot to say other than... Yeah, I love you. I'm hot. hot. There's a lot of... (laughs) Jingo. Jingo, I'm I'm here. I hear uh, read you loud and clear. Jingo. Damn you, Jingo. Yeah, it's like Please, you know, like, And I think it takes place in England, even though it's Italian. But everything they were saying it was prime minister, and yeah, uh, yeah, it just seemed like it was an English deal. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Final wrap up. Uh, it's a fun movie. Uh, it's a colorful movie. Um, uh, you know, I just, uh, I guess I came to it through Mario Bava, you know, I, I came to him through horror movies, and then I was tracking down stuff that he did, 
and saw this, and, and surprisingly, this is one of the better movies, I would say, like, of the movies that he's done, this is a, one of the better ones, more most accessible, maybe. Um, I don't know, it's, uh, it's just, it struck me as a lot of fun. Like Tom was saying, it's, uh, it's like a James Bond, it does feel kind of like a James Bond movie. It feels, uh, I think, that way because they, you know, obviously have one of the actors from the James Bond films in it. Um, it's just, you know, of that time period, and it kind of has a similar feel um uh you know i mean uh, marissa mel is a, is a goddess in this thing i'm assuming that you know is the companion piece to barbarella both of them came out in 1968 uh, so you know obviously that's what they were going for a little bit of titillation and the adaptation of these uh italian comics um i don't know i mean I, it feels like i've said everything good that i can say about them i would say definitely check it out you know if uh, if you're a fan of uh, anything that we've been talking about here tonight it's worth bringing diabolic back uh i'm hoping that they actually do you know with this series that they're that uh, you know we saw the trailer for because uh, so. i would definitely watch that <laughs> i'm thinking about writing uh you know dynamite comics is popular for picking up a lot of like unknown or little known characters i feel like writing them be like or is a diabolic comic book why isn't this something that's yeah, going on if in it's comics still now? around you know yeah. yeah i mean it it sounded like it still is but you know we'll have to check on that outside of the outside of the freak show but uh yeah i mean uh definitely Check it out, and uh, I mean, if you're interested in anything by you know about uh, Mario Bava as a director, you know, uh, there's a guy named Tim Lucas. He writes a magazine called uh, Video Watchdog. He made uh, he's like Bava's like unofficial biographer, or maybe official. I don't know. He uh, you know co collaborates with his son Lamberto. He wrote a book, which I think is the biggest, thickest book like ever written about one director. It was called Mario Bava, All the Colors of the Dark. I saw pictures of this thing. I wanted it so bad. It was like 200 and some dollars, and now it's all there. I'll sold out, and you can get them on eBay, and they're just like the most expensive thing ever. But it's like, it apparently has like every single detail. I mean, like, he was an obsessive fan, Tim Lucas, of Mario Bava. And in this book, it covers like his entire life, like in minute detail. Hmm. And he got like a forward i think for martin scorsese for the book and i mean apparently it's one of the best books of on filmmaking and on a director like ever made uh so if you have the means uh you should probably you know you might want to look that up if you're a bava fan but and i would look up more bava uh films also because uh i think he was an influential uh you know figure in cinema that didn't really get his due and i think uh, you know i think his legacy goes on and so that's. Do you think he's getting his due more now? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Just with uh, you know, <clears throat> I mean, because people on genre press, you know, websites and stuff, and they'll cite, you know, Mario Bava this, Mario Bava that. So just having his name out there like that. Anchor Bay a couple years ago put out like the Bava collections. I think and put out a couple of uh, box sets with all this stuff on it. I think Kino Video right now is re-releasing. Like they may have just put out Baron Blood or Black Sunday. I think they've got Black Sabbath coming out. Maybe I don't know if Kill Baby Kills in there or whatever. But you know his movies are constantly it seems like being re-released, remastered. So that's a good a good thing all around. I think. Yeah, and if you aren't sold on the movie yet. Uh 
Not going to give anything away. I'm just saying there's a giant brick of gold in the movie. <laughs> and you have to watch it to find out what happens. How do you uh, get a hold of us? You can e- reach out and email us at Saturday Night Freak Show at uh, yahoo.com. You can also find us on Twitter. We're at, at SatFreakShow as our handle. Follow us for the time of your life. You can also find us on the World Wide Web where there's an archive of all of our past episodes, SaturdayNightFreakShow.blogspot.com. And you can find us on your favorite pod uh, podcast services such as iTunes, Podbay, or Stitcher Radio. Am I missing anything, Brent? No, but I will say that I did start listening to Stitcher Radio since we, we uh, recently became part of that. And that's kind of cool. I mean... If you haven't, check it out because it's it's a lot of, you know, like they'll, you choose, some, like if you like the freak show, then it'll try to like decide what you like, you know, and it'll give you, like present you with other options, other podcasts that hmm. you may or may not enjoy. That doesn't sound freaky. Hmm. Well, hello, Stitcher listeners. <laughs> if you found us that way, then welcome aboard. I, well, yeah, I mean, I was going through and it was picking up like podcast that I like to listen to and I there's a there's a handful that I listen to and it was right on it was right it was choosing what I already listened to so I, I, I think yeah they profiled you pretty good they did so if you don't like that <laughs> stay away but, <laughs> but it was very convenient alright and next it? week's movie is oh it's Travis's pick Travis what are you bringing us The Last Starfighter Awesome. It should be awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to see that. I'm actually really excited to see that. Because you have never seen it. I've never seen it. Kinda. I've never seen it either. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. I haven't seen serious. it in a long time, and I remember liking it quite a bit. Was Sorry it 80s nostalgia, or is it actually an awesome movie? What 80s nostalgia. Ooh. But it's a fun movie. <laughs> 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 yep, so... Looking forward to it. Yeah, oh yeah. Can't wait. All right, until next time, listeners, deep, deep down. Deep, deep down. Deep, deep down.